Hello and welcome to Celtic A to Z podcast and we're back for episode V. I'm back, I'm Jerry, and I'm here with Mark and Barry. Hi guys. Hi guys. Hi Jerry, hi Barry. Hi everyone. Uh, yeah, so episode V, before we get started, uh, a little bit of housekeeping. We did have someone, so firstly, the our you uh, episode last week, which turned into our Lisbon Lions special, uh, was was greatly received and we've had some some good feedback on it so that's great I'm glad everyone enjoyed it um, but we did have someone get in touch uh, Brian who who points out that Celtic did have a, a U player in the ranks in the 1940s I think we did make make reference to him but we didn't we didn't name check him so maybe we should uh, point out that Rolando Ugolini uh, an Italian goalie did play five games for us in the 40s. We did kind of look into him, yeah. Barry. I know you had a wee bit. Yeah, we, we may. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> part of the research, he did come across him, but I, mean, I don't think he won anything as far as I can tell. Um, nah, he played a handful of that. games. It probably wasn't worth a full discussion. Is that is that being harsh? <laughs> See, I, in the absence of anyone else, no, to be honest, I'm going to say no, because he's, like, he's played a few games. It's We're, we're name-checking him now. So there you go, and he's getting a wee mention. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's it. Uh, but thanks for... Uh, to. Brian for for pointing that out. I wonder if uh, Brian is a relation of Rolando. <laughs> Granda, great, great uncle. Uh... <laughs> but there you go, Rolando. You tried to tell girls in bars for years. Tell my granddad paid for Celtic. <laughs> um, but there we go. Yeah, so there there was one new player who who did play a handful of games back in the forties. So there we go. But I think the the Lisbon Lions episode was was the way to go last week. But episode V, this is this is a good one actually because uh, a lot of good V players, as we're about to find out. Okay, and I think uh, you're kicking us off, Barry. Yeah, I'm going to start proceedings, um, and I feel like the only way to start proceedings with this guy is, is by song, actually. <laughs> so the the way I'm going to start this is by Pierre. There's only one Pierre. There's only one Pierre. There's only one Pierre. That's beautiful, Barry. That's so yeah. That's Christmas number one sorted. <laughs> <laughs> That's the John Lewis advert. Yep. Uh, it's it's almost joining in with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. such a strange song, isn't it? It's blue Moon, yeah. <laughs> Is that our only Blue Moon song? I can't think of that being used for anyone else over the years. No, I can't think of anything either. Yeah. It's about to just repeat one line again. again. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> I, I remember singing it yeah, so many times in the, in the temporary stand. <laughs> Back in the day. Rocking to believe it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I used to, Pierre Van Hoydonk, the third of the, the three amigos. Interestingly, I was thinking earlier on, we've actually we discussed all three amigos now. Mm, yeah. I don't think we didn't actually select the first two though, but I think this one maybe get a better chance, possibly. Yeah, we'll so <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> I mean I, I, yeah, I so, was um I think it was well, it was me that brought up the canio. Uh George Cadet was yours, Mark, wasn't he? It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well we'll see if uh, Pierre gets the gets the vote. <laughs> yeah, so I mean joined in January nineteen ninety-five. Spent a bit of money. I mean, it wasn't a club record or anything, but 1.2 million, so it was a fair outlay for the club yep. at the time. Not as much as Stuart Slater, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> um, I so came from NEC Breda in Holland. Yep. He'd been playing well over there, a bit of a goal machine. 
he'd already made his debut for, for the Netherlands before he actually signed for Celtic. He played once for them. So we were signing you know, a Dutch internationalist yeah. at that time. Um, and then, I mean, he signs for Celtic in his first game, first few minutes of his first game, scores an absolute screener. I um, well. Against Hearts and I won his game. I remember sitting listening to it on the radio. Um, I wasn't at the game that night. And just, you know, you're signed your new signing. You know, I was, what, 13 at the time? You know, your fancy new foreign signing. They score yep. a scream on the first few minutes. You think, this is it. This guy's going to be amazing for ages. You know, proper Celtic legend. Um, and he turned into a really good player. I mean, that, that goal against Hearts, I should say, I looked up on YouTube this afternoon. I mean, it's as good as I remember. Like, long ball, I think, from... Um, is it Stuart Slater? Um, no, I wouldn't be sure. So that was somebody else. But anyway, long ball, he pulls it down, chips it over the defender, cuts back onto another foot, and then we'll place it into the top corner from just outside the box. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then I think I actually seen him in his second game for Celtic at the, the Hamden season. We played Kilmarnock um, and we won 2 1. He actually won the penalty in that game, albeit it was probably a dive. <laughs> <laughs> but he was still contributing from the very outset. Um, as I say, home one against two, one against Kilmarnock and a, a dreary sort of, I think it was January or February and Celtic finished fourth that season so there wasn't much to shout about but he was starting to turn into a player Yeah, and, and scored a few goals in that sort of half a season um, Yeah, we've spoken about that season before I mean, that season's just about yeah. odd but he's the um, and by odd I mean dreadful <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I guess him coming in in January is the kind of signal that yeah you know it's, it's we're on the up from here. You're looking forward to the next season, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we spoke about, I think we mentioned, you know, John Collins was the top goal scorer that season. I think it's like 11 goals or something. I mean, Van Hoedonk actually get nine for that half a season and only played, you know, from January. So, yeah. I mean, he, had, he did make a bit of a difference. And then, you know, gets a goal against Rangers in the final Old Firm game, albeit didn't really mean anything, but still nice to get your first goal against Rangers. Yep. And then Scottish Cup final, 1995, which was discussed a lot in the show. But, it's, you know, it's big Pierre hanging in the air, scoring that goal in the first few minutes again. It's, you know, defining memory of that season. Yeah, you're right. And that, I mean, so important to win that Scottish Cup. We spoke before what it meant to like, Tommy Burns, Peter Grant, Paul McStay, guys like that. And even ourselves as well as Celtic fans. Yeah, first, kind of it was huge for me. Uh, I mean, I, I don't I remember, you know, the 89 Cup final really well, but I mean, there's a long gap as kids, you know, six years where you're not really doing anything to yeah. pick up that trophy, and he's, he was at the centre of it. And I mean, I watched that game recently, and it is absolutely terrible. Like I mentioned, <laughs> well, Celtic can't put three passes together the whole game, but who don't goes off injured after 20 minutes, and there's just no quality on show at all. <laughs> but um, yeah, all important just to get over the line. And then 95-96 is really in many ways the one that got away. Yeah. Um, lost one game all season. Van Hoydonk, um scores 32 goals during the course of the campaign. Yeah, He's the best player in the country. Well, sorry. He's the best player in the country probably alongside Brian Loudrup, to be fair. But, I mean, he's Celtic's best player you know, that season by a, by a country mile. Yeah. Scores goals almost every week. And just how we didn't manage to win anything that year is just heartbreaking. It really um, is, isn't it? I know. <laughs> did they not have um did they not come out like a few years ago with some uh 
story about how he, he feels cheated that season, and that was like the new Rangers. That Rangers didn't deserve the title and all this, and that was. I'm sure they actually came out with some allegations. <laughs> in a medal for I, mean, that I mean, Celtic probably drew too many games, but it's just the fact you've only yeah, won one game all season. Yeah, all yeah. the draws. Yeah. I mean, but, and Rangers did still have his, you know, I mean, they beat us in both cups. You know, it's just we needed a bit of luck. Yeah. It's just we just didn't get it at times. Yeah, that's the, I guess, when Andy Gorham was like properly, <laughs> yeah, right, the absolute scunner of, of Celtic that season. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, you look back at the old fun games, it's like the 3 3 game at Ibrox that we could have won. Mm-hmm. I think there's the other game at Celtic Park, I think it was nothing each, you know, we could dominate the whole game, could have won. Mm-hmm. Even the other game at, um, Game at Ibrox, I was a John Hughes equalised in the last minute for Celtic. Did Tierno miss a penalty in, in one of the old firm games as well? I don't know if it was that season. year or the following season. But it's just, you know, the one who got away, but, it, but, but Pierre was brilliant. You know, he was the, the yeah. darling of the Celtic support. The big Pierre song was just every single game. <laughs> you know, played quite well with Andy Tom, you know, decent enough partnership there. Just just we were too reliant on probably for goals I don't know if there was enough goals from, from other parts of the team that year Possibly and that's maybe what done is as well um, and then it kind of goes a bit wrong after the 96 summer 96-97 he scores a few goals at the beginning of the campaign but he's really sort of working his ticket after that which is really disappointing that's he's signed De Canio and Kinect yeah. still there Tom's still there we've got a great attack force but I mean, those four guys actually only played together a couple of times in my in my memory. It's just, yeah, it, he wasn't really... Cadet kind of took over the goal-scoring mantle the following season, but he was injury-prone. Mm-hmm. And it's just a bit of a shame that like, 96-97 never, never led to anything, considering the quality of players we had at that time. I know, it's a weird one. I remember seeing them... I think the only time I've seen the four of them play together was, it was Clyde Bank in, in the Cup, the League Cup. I think they won 5-0. Uh, but it's the first time I kind of remember like, seeing all of them starting. Yeah. And they really didn't try to quite get enough out of all of them together. And as, no, I mean, as like you say, Van Hoddock left that season in March, you know, so yeah. the season wasn't finished. You know, I mean, we only lost the league by a couple of points. <laughs> it's like, you know, I could he was injured towards the end of that season. You know, had we had Van Hoddock fit and scoring goals, could that yeah. have made the difference? It's, it's always kind of bugged me a little bit. Yeah, so um, but I remember him going, yeah. Right. And Tali was from Not Soros, was disappointing as well. And I mean, there's no getting away from the fact we spoke about Cadet, you know, working his ticket, and Van Hoydon did as well. He didn't want to be there after a certain point. Um, and uh, he wanted to make more money, you know. I, I get that. I get that. It, it, it was more about the money for him, which I guess isn't it's probably not exactly what you want from your, from your strikers. But the way he tells it, and you don't really know who to believe, him or McCann, but uh, there was some agreement that, you know, if he reached a certain level of performance, he would he would be a, a, in line for a wage rise. And then when, when new players come in, like um, De Canio and, and some of the others, they were on you know, much more than him. And he, mm. he, he wasn't, he, he was arguing, obviously, he was top scorer. He should be, uh, you know, on a, on a much better wage than he was on. I think seven thousand. It didn't help himself though. I mean, that seven thousand pound thing. You know, the comment. Didn't, yeah, didn't it's help not nice. Is it? But, yeah, <laughs> there's an argument to say. Yeah, after he makes a comment like that, yeah, he should walk away from negotiations <laughs> with him. <laughs> On the other hand, I, I don't know. Has he got a point? However crass the statement might have been, that maybe he should have been paid more. 
the night. Can I mean, be. it probably should have been, but I think he was probably probably going to leave anyway at that point. Um, yeah. Aye, so I mean, decent enough scoring record. I think it's at fifty odd goals. I think. Um, I think it's eighty something appearances. So his goal return was pretty good for the the two yeah. years that he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, as I say, Leeds are not in Forest, and we, you know, it's <laughs> a kind of strange time down there. And then, I mean, in terms of Celtic-related stuff, he always he comes back, not comes back, but he plays for Feyenoord when they um, knock Rangers out of the UEFA Cup um, oh, in the beginning of the 90s, um, scores a couple of cracking free kicks. So yeah. he's got some brownie points for that as well in my book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I mean, decent player for two years, scored a lot of goals, a lot of good memories for me, particularly you know, as a young impressionable young man at the time you know he'll always have a, a place for me at Celtic yeah. and he's even even though he left awkwardly he said recently you know he probably regrets some of his actions as well so he's shown a bit of maturity from there as well so yeah I Pierre Van Hoedonk so yeah. not exactly a legend but you know a good good Celtic player yeah I, I, yeah I, I put him in there with I mean I met I brought up Andy Tom a few weeks ago and obviously part of that that group as well so I guess we've spoke about the four of them now um, yeah. but yeah it's, he's the first like cause I, I remember him playing for the Netherlands national team while he was at Celtic I think he scored two goals one night against Wales yeah I remember that headers yeah. uh, yeah. I was really proud of him as well I'm really proud that he was a Celtic player scoring for Holland yeah it, it was quite a big deal I mean, that, that doesn't happen too often you know um, so it's a proper international class striker and like a, you know a decent international team so um yeah his first player like that I remember as having uh, so he'll always have a I'll always have a bit of a soft spot for for Big Pierre yeah. regardless of the fact he was a bit of a mercenary um <laughs> like not just with us I think throughout his career that it kind of yeah. points to them <laughs> apparently he's a bit of a legend at Fernabashi as well which I didn't realise until I was looking into him he went there towards the end of his career and won a couple of titles yeah um, Okay, nice one, uh, Big Pierre. Yeah, always good to, to talk about. Uh, Mark, you're up next. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, we talked about Pierre Van Houdonk penalty in 1997. I remember watching that game with my dad, my brother, and he missed it, and my mum got the blame for that one because just as he went in, she went, oh, he's going to score, he's going to score. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that was your fault. That was your fault. <laughs> That's why we lost the league. It was all Mark's fault. I know. Believe my mum, my poor mum, we never really we just try to join in when we get all we gave our pelters. So I'm, I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> um, so my player tonight, I, I wonder if you can guess who it is by this quote from 2014 by a Scottish-based uh, uh, journalist who said that he's uh, he's overrated. He's all, he's, he looks all right. But he's likely to be found out against top quality strikers. I'm guessing that's a Hugh Keevans quote. Yeah. It's, it's not actually. It's, it's not? A Tom Tom English. Um, he, he did. He did add the caveat that he might be proven wrong. Uh, he was talking oh, about. They always get Van... sell it back out, don't they? Uh, he, was, he was talking about Virgil Van Dijk, yeah, who's, who's been found out now in English Premiership uh, <laughs> and in the Champions League. Um, Total so, failure, has it? Oh, I mean, what, whatever happened to him? He didn't even ride downhill after the election. Yeah, we might get him alone. I think you know, for lucky. Uh, no, Van Dijk. I mean, he, he was only at the club for for two years, but I think in those two years he showed. He, he was a top quality player. I mean, he used to, he, he would breeze through some games. I think, Barry, you, you said that when you went to the semi final League Cup in Dio's first season, when uh, he was up against Kenny Miller, you said it was almost embarrassing watching Kenny Miller. Ah, yeah, the, the Rangers. Aye, ah, well, we had um, Bodger Van Dyke and Jason Denier playing that day. I mean, and it was like, like they properly could have been playing with slippers on, smoking a cigar. It was that easy. Like, it just, it was, it was nothing. Stroke. 
So through, I mean, it's an interesting one, Van Dyke, because he came in for, you know, didn't pay a huge amount for him. Um, and then other teams hadn't really picked up on him. I mean, he had a decent reputation as a young player in, in the Netherlands. But, you know, we, we, we took a, a punt on him. Came into the team, settled in reasonably well. <clears throat> and, you know, he was there for Lennon's last season. And then I think under Dyler, you know, he came good. <clears throat> I, mean, I remember that goal against St. Johnson, he just got the ball in his own box. <laughs> yeah, it's a one that's It's like five uh, aside, it's, it's a total joke, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it barely even runs, doesn't even breaks. <laughs> it just saunters through the whole team. <laughs> it does look like a goal that you score in the playground. You've got a guy who's like a couple of years older than everybody else. So he's, <laughs> yeah. he's kind of playing at the back just to kind of keep it even and then decide, you know what, I'm just going to get a goal. <laughs> and just like <laughs> runs past all the wee diddies in front of him, you know. <laughs> A bit bored, I enjoy for playing any man save. When Dice was players, he just, he just knew he, we weren't going to keep him for, for very long. And I think in the modern game, if you keep a top quality player for two years, you're, you're doing all right. And we had the same with sort of Moussa Dembele as well, when we had him for about two years. And then they go, go down south. But it's not to have Van Dyke's goal there. I mean, he scored 15 goals. Which is yeah. turn over oh, course three kicks in it as well, yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, he's three kicks are brilliant. Yeah. And I, th- I think when he left, there was a feeling that, you know, obviously you were desperate for him to stay, but you thought he's a he's a good quality player. We've made a bit of money for him, but I think it's quite galling that we sold him for 11, what, 11 and a half million. Mm. And then he goes yeah. for like 75 million. It's just, well, that it's wouldn't just be happening good. now. But to be honest, I think he's the reason that that doesn't happen anymore. Um, I think that that's the kind of last straw one. Obviously, there was a couple of uh, guys around about that kind of fee that you know 11 12 million uh, that went and then uh, I think since him going for the amount of money he did go to, to Liverpool that's now where it's like nah do you know what you want to talk about one of our top players on 20 million yeah, yeah it's 20 million plus 25 million something yeah. we're not even entertaining that 12 million anymore and um, so I think he's the kind of reason that, that that's now doubled the kind of entry fee for our top players Absolutely, because it was a case of you know, we were shortchanged. But I think as well, he's only playing in Scotland, you know, so you know, 12 million is, you know, you should be biting our hands off for that. Which, mm-hmm. as you're right, Jerry, I think it's a case of they like, well, any of our top players no, don't even come anywhere near us unless you're, you know, you're talking about, you know, 20 million as, a, as the starting point. Yep. And you said, you said, Barry, there about, you know, you're really proud when Pierre scored those, those goals for the Netherlands against Wales. And I have to say, when Van, whenever Van Dijk plays for Liverpool, I'm always really, really pleased when he's successful because you want to see your players go and do well. And I think he, he, did, he, he left them in the right way. I mean, he didn't spit the dummy out. You know, he did his job up yeah, until the time. Yeah. Was to, I know it's a suggestion he should maybe have hung around for the, the, the Champions League qualifiers for Dialer, but you know, I, th- I think at that point he was looking looking to go down south. Yeah, and I didn't have any great like, difficulty when Van Dijk left. It was you know, he'd done two years. I remember sitting during that first season thinking we'll be lucky to get him for a second year. I mean, I thought it yeah. was that good at the time. So I, I, sat, I, remember, I remember having that conversation with the guy who sits beside me at Celtic Park and saying, you know, this guy's not going to be here after the summer. Um, but luckily enough, we did get a second year out of him. Yeah. And, and you wonder if he'd been there for that second dialy season, would it be a bit more, a bit more comfortable? Because he's a good partnership with Denier. Obviously, he was world class and we, we noticed his loss quite quickly once he went. But there's quite a good quote from... Jurgen Klopp, he talks about how Van Dyke still talks very fondly in the club. Well, absolutely, it does. It's uh, and it's nice to see that a guy that you know still got a fondness. I mean, he's only for, only there for two years, but yeah, it's obviously going to left him off. I think he appreciates I mean, you know, the club that he came and he he did well. 
So, you know, we got a good player for two years and he was able to, you know, use that as a, a stepping stone. Huh. Rather, go. I was listening to um, the, I don't, know if, I don't know if any of you follow boxing, but the guy Eddie Hearn, and he has a, a, a podcast he does on the BBC. Um, and he talks to guys from different sports. So he had Virgil van Dijk on the other week and he was just talking about his career. And he's, he was saying, you know, obviously I came from Holland, I went to Celtic and he said it was brilliant being a Celtic player you know, and living as a Celtic player in Glasgow because everybody just treats you so well if you're, if you're a Celtic fan because um, <laughs> it's, it's a different culture from probably what he gets anywhere else. It's just, yeah. you know, you play for Celtic, you're just treated as, you know, as an absolute legend the whole time. When you're good, obviously. Aye. Aye. <laughs> Aye, so rubbish, you, you have to get all your food delivered. <laughs> but yeah. I, I think it's a good example to players that you know who are, who are really good young talent. They can look at him and say, well, he came to Celtic, he played well for a couple of seasons and then he's been able to go on and, and play. play. I don't, I don't want to use the word bigger league. I know that's a, a kind of bit of a dirty word, a, a bigger league, but he's been down to Liverpool and he's been hugely successful, you know, after doing well at Southampton as well. So, yep. he can maybe just have an example to other young players, like, you know, come and give us a chance, you know, because there will be a, we don't expect you to spend your entire career with us, but come here, put, put yourself in a short window by playing well, playing well in Europe, and that, that's a chance you have. And we, we talked about, you know, Henry Arsene being world class when we had him and you realised, you know, this guy was just so good and I, I'm not for one minute comparing Virgil van Dijk to Henrik, but, there wasn't that long ago we did have a guy with a world class defender in our team. I know. Right. I mean, yeah. Virgil van Dijk's talked about now as being the best defender in the world. I mean, people say that about him. Yeah. Like not, not just world class, like the actual best world defender in the world. But if, I, I mean, if you look at obviously what he's achieved the last couple of years with Liverpool and obviously winning the Champions League, I think he got man of the match in the final. Mm. Um, but he, I think he was runner up to Messi in the Ballon d'Or that year as well. So. You know, it's uh, the guy you're right coming from Celtic. I, I, we spoke about Larson. It's it's one of the things I think is great about Larson moving on from Celtic to a team like Barcelona and winning Champions League. It's a kind of yeah, you, you deserve that Champions League, mate. You know, well done. Anyone who I think moves on from Celtic and ends up with that kind of success in football, you kind of got to just you, you got to respect really. Aye, fair play, you made the right decision. Yeah, we'd love to have had him for longer, but I think in a modern game that just doesn't happen. It kind of breaks your heart when you've got a good young player because you're thinking you can't get too attached because you're lucky maybe two two seasons at most. I mean, don't don't certainly don't get the names put on your top. <laughs> it's not going to last. But yes, yeah, so that, that's my shout for time. Virgil Van Dijk, which is a class player, he strolled through games. He, he still actually still does even in the, the Premiership. Brilliant. So. And I don't like the fact that he, he talks so formally about his time at Celtic as well. Yep. It's a good relationship we have with him. You know, he, he did well for us and now he's doing well. We, we like to see his success. So, yeah, that's my shout for tonight. Virgil van Dijk. Nice one. Nice one. Okay, cheers. Uh, right, so, uh, it's me to go. You've arguably taken the two best players, but there's, there's a, there, these are really strong letter when you look at it. It's, it's kind of weird because I think uh, player for player, it's arguably the, the best letter. Um, there's a few guys I'm not going to mention who maybe do deserve a mention. Guys like Yusuf Alham, um, Stan Varga had his moments in that as well. But and there's a couple of guys I know we'll, we're going to talk about in the, the wild card section too. But um, I'll stick with the Dutch theme. <laughs> so you talk about getting somebody's name in the back of your shirt, Mark. <laughs> You're not going to get this man's name in the back of your shirt because <laughs> you'll need a mortgage for it. <laughs> and that's big, big Jan, Jan Venegor of Hesselink, um, who 
crazy name. Um, I think we were probably all aware of the name. They played for PSV, watching them in the Champions League through the, the kind of mid 2000s. And then yeah, they almost made the Champions League final one year. Got the semi final one year, I remember them. Yeah, yeah. semi final, didn't they? Um, yeah. But then, yeah, uh, kind of rocks up at us. And it's, it's quite a decent signing. You know, I think, you know, come for PSV, three and a half million. Did one, it, it won the last three Dutch titles, as you say, you know, got to semi finals of Champions League. So, uh, and he was a, a member of the Dutch team as well, uh, the national side. And it, to be fair, actually, just kind of start there because you look at um, who he was in that Dutch team with, but some of the other strikers, Van Nistelrooy, Van Persie, oh. you know, guys like that. It was a top Dutch side, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it seemed like quite a coup, but I think we were able to, to get him. Maybe not, obviously, wasn't as prolific as some no. strikers we've had, um, but an excellent partnership with Scott McDonald, um, probably the last. Uh, maybe not quite the last one, great one we've had, but um, I mean, they, they they got more than 50 goals between them like that first season they were together. And admittedly, Scott got what, 30, I think Jan got 20, but uh, it's that that proper, you know, big guy, wee guy. Part yeah, of it. it wasn't really brought in as a prolific striker, though. I don't think that was ever really the intention, was it? I think it was, okay, okay if he can get 15 goals a season, great, but we really want him to, you know, just be a sort of focal point for the attack, if yeah. possible. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that that probably was the the idea. Uh, I always like a player like that. You know, I mean, we've, we've talked about Sutton and, and Hearts and that over the. Uh, I suppose Hearts is probably more of a striker, but Sutton probably that that kind of player as well. He's the first guy like that we maybe had since Sutton. Um, you, you look at kind of what I mean. He, he comes into it and he's he's successful right away with Celtic. Obviously, he's part of that striking team, um, and you know the the three years he's there. Obviously. Couple of titles with with um, with Strachan, Scottish Cup as well. He actually won like five league titles in a row between PSV and Celtic. You know, he was looking kind of consistently successful. Um, a winner. Yeah, a winner exactly. Um, I've seen the same thing written about Zlatan, who I think got like ten in a row across four different clubs, which is pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, when you, you can just like, translate that, if you know how to win a title, you know it's always a good guy to bring in. The yeah, say goal scoring. Okay, maybe not really prolific but a lot of you know a lot of good goals in there and a lot of big goals remember the Champions League obviously going 1-0 up at Old Trafford um, him getting the goal um, ah brilliant goal um, classic I showed about strength yeah uh, exactly um, but then just you know was on. I think he gets a remember him did he get he, <laughs> remember him getting a last minute winner somewhere and get sent was it St Mirren scored last minute winner and then get sent off for running into the crowd as well. Vague okay. recollection of that, I can't picture it, but that's, uh, you might yeah. be right. It's just like, it's such a ridiculous thing about football, you know, <laughs> <laughs> four minute winner, just runs up the yeah. crowd and they're all hugging him and yep, ends up getting sent off, but yeah, that's <laughs> happens. We spoke about that, the goal against Rangers, the last minute winner. Um, I'll speak about it again. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just such a great moment. Um, so yeah, you know, big, uh, big moments like that for Celtic. He also got sent off against Rangers one time as well. My memory serves me. So he maybe had a wee bit of that in him. I'm not going to put him up against Pierre Van Hooydonk. I think realistically, if we're looking at a big Dutch striker, Pierre's your man. <laughs> But it's, it was good to have a big Dutchman back in the team again, big Dutchman <laughs> for a time. Uh, it's good to have a big Dutchman in the team. <laughs> that's yeah. Uh, funny, that's kind of that's very much been a theme of this evening so far. 
they're all fairly fairly recent history, I guess. But you know, just cover that nineties, uh, noughties, and then the tens. So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that, that's probably my show. It's probably next in line after after the two guys we've mentioned. Uh, but Jan scored a cracking goal against Barcelona in the three-two game that we lost. Remember? That's right. Yeah, they scored the opening goal that day. You know, obviously, you take the lead of your last 16 tie against Barcelona. The place went mental. It's quite a big goal moment. the winning goal as well. We've been like in 2008 up at Tanadice. Yeah, was there not some sort of striking sort of joke when he signed saying, I promise you, I'd get you a big name? Aye, I was debating doing that one at the start, but it's <laughs> terrible. Apparently, the origin of the surname, if anyone's interested, is that. The 17th century, two Dutch families were quite prominent, and when it was a marriage, they didn't want to give up the name, so they compromised when they yep. said so. It, it means or, but I think there's probably never thought in the future there might be a sport invented where you have to put your name on a top. Pick a side, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it cost me 50 quid to get my kids. To <laughs> it's like these, uh, I know, I get it, I suppose, Venegar and Hesselink families may well have been. Dutch aristocracy at the time. Yeah. I guess it's kind of equivalent of like hyphenating, isn't it? I always think it's funny when you see guys these days who's are hyphenated like Smith Jones. And you're like, for God's sake! Well, <laughs> 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 like, these names mean nothing, mate. <laughs> 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 well, make up your own one. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess very good of like Possibly that maybe it still means something. In the Netherlands, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's big Jan. Uh, so we've got uh, Jan Venegar of Hesselink. We have. Big Pierre Van Hoydonk and Virgil Van Dijk. Um, I'll I'll go first. I'm going to. Uh, it's a difficult one because I think Van Dijk is clearly the better player of the two. But like I said, with Andy Tom a few weeks ago, you know, that's a him and Big Pierre represent Celtic coming out of the shadows and being competitive again with Angels. So that's kind of my first. Love what that that kind of Celtic team that was put together there. No, I know exactly what you mean. Definitely. Yeah, um, but guys of our age, it's, it's a big, big moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Big Pierre. I'm going to vote for Van Hooydonk. Barry, what do you reckon? Um, again, I'm kind of struggling a little bit because it's like you say, um, Virgil Van Dijk is you know an infinitely better football than than Big Jan. Um, I mean, Van Dijk's a proper world class footballer. And and Big Jan was a, you know a good European player with some, with some success, but uh, I'm kind of swaying to to Jan simply because of that last minute goal against Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> Still, it always comes back to that. Yeah, I just love that moment so much, and I don't know Van Dijk didn't really have a moment like that. Uh, not not to any fault of his own, because you know obviously there was no no fun games um, when he was playing with Celtic. Yeah. But then he has a much oh, better man. football. <laughs> Give Big Jan this. Aye, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll go. I'll go with Big Jan. That's it. Big Jan. Vinegar Hesling. Nice one. Nice one, Barry. Okay, so Mark, you've got the deciding vote. Then um, who's it going to be? Well, one big Dutchman against another. <laughs> it's uh, that's, that's going to be quite surprising. But I'm going to go for Jan. Yeah, just cool. because of his contribution to the Tet One in 2008. I mean, that last minute winner against Rangers, and then. Was going to Tanadice that night, and I, I just remember that when I saw my job and sort of look up to the sky, and you know, obviously, we were, we were still, you know, lost Tommy Burns not shortly before that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason for Pierre is that I get what you're saying, Jerry, that you know, he's, he's a player I remember as a kid, you know, the, it was just nice to have a really good player, but for me, he kind of served a wee bit the way things ended. 
yeah. I don't I, want to be bitter about things, but I find it quite difficult that you know that was a bad season for us, and they kind of just dingied us for want of a better word. So that is like a, a black mark against his, uh, for that. So for for Jan who who didn't do that, he stayed until you know basically his knees gave out. So that, that's why I've gone for Jan. Just for happy names of two thousand and eight. I think you're right there, Mark. It's like I was saying before about Pierre leaving in March. Had he been committed to that full season, you know, you never know what could have happened. Um, and that, that's, that's always bugged me as well. Yeah. It's, do you know, it's a fair point. I'd never really thought that much about that season, but you're right. It's, that is a, it's, it's a bit of a sore one when you think about it. Um, it but yeah, no, listen, good choice, guys. And you, you, I think we we kind of touched on it there. Jan's the kind of guy you just you can't really fault him, you know, as a man, as a as a guy. He just he gave his all as long as he was there. You're right. I think kind of and um, injury condition kind of got the better. Did he retire like from Celtic? I mean, it wasn't that. Oh, he, he went to Hull. Yeah, Hull was it Hull for a bit. Um, I think he went back to PSV as well. Yeah, yeah, and then but yeah, just I mean, he didn't have. He only played maybe. Half a season here or there after Celtic, so mm-hmm. not about two or three years. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, no uh, cheers. I'm, I must admit, I didn't when I was pitching very good hustling <laughs> against you. I didn't expect to, to get that. So um, yeah. I do. Thank you very much. And big Jan Venegar of Hesselink goes in to our A to Z. Okay, so we move on with our wild cards this week, and uh, I'm I'll take us away first. And to be honest, I was I was half debating doing this guy as my actual nomination, but you know, realistically, he's he's, he's not quite the caliber of player we were talking about in the first half. But he's he's still a kind of you know somebody I remember from obviously first getting into Celtic early nineties and that. Uh, and it's Rudy Vata, and I don't know if you know his. Nickname Barry. I don't know if that came up when you were looking. Oh, up. I think I. Oh, <laughs> oh, I think I did look this up. Oh, I can't remember. I'm uh-huh. sure I've heard it though. Go it's on. Very good. Holy Vata. Holy Vata. Yeah. Um, so now he's. I believe he's the first Albanian. I was going to say first Albanian to play for Celtic. I think he's the first Albanian to play in Britain. Um, and and he looks Albanian as well. Obviously, when you, when you see him, when he's yeah, that as well, he's, he's yeah, it's a proper Eastern <laughs> Bloc look about him, isn't it? Careful <laughs> <laughs> now. I think we're fitting into some dodgy territory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 that's not a criticism of the man. You know, it's a, I, I like the mullet and that. You know, I think it's a fine. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so let, let, to be honest, that's part of the reason I want to talk about Rudy Vata because he came from. Let, let's be honest, a fairly oppressive regime out there uh, in Albania, uh, the kind of 80s and early 90s. And I don't know if he's, you presumably do know the story, but uh, it's March 1991. He was he was called up to the Albanian national team and they were playing France. So the, it was in Paris. Apparently he feigned injury in the game, uh, get basically taken off, went up the tunnel and basically just ran from the stadium, left the stadium. Uh, and and went to a French police station. What well, was Albanian kit and that and claimed asylum? Is that not escaped? Is this not escaped to victory? Have <laughs> 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 the same plot? <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's absolutely true. He, he, he left during the game. Went to a French police station and, and claimed asylum um, over the oppressive circumstances in his homeland. Uh, and apparently, a couple of his teammates did the same that night. Yeah. As well. 
uh, and they were granted asylum as well in in Paris and in, in France. So uh, he, I think it's he's plays in France for a, a time, but he, you know he ends up at Celtic Park a year later. Uh, Liam Brady signs him, brings him over. Um, funnily enough, I mean that season we signed uh, that that close season we signed him. Uh, Stuart Slater, the aforementioned <laughs> one point five million man Stuart Slater, and uh, Andy Payton as well. So. Uh, some, some kind of good names in there for you know one reason or other from from that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, debating was all right. Yeah, yeah, I always thought so. Just like I not so much. <laughs> yeah, <you did. laughs> that's a weird one, just like, doesn't it? But yeah, um, yeah. So, but Rudy Vathis, you know, I won't go through his um, his kind of Celtic career as a as a nomination. What I'm kind of want to do here is just, I guess, talk about. Coming from that that kind of situation, it's a it's an incredible story. Uh, in part of our recent history, which I think you know it's kind of really interesting that you know he was able to do that. Obviously, things have changed now in Albania, and he has been, you know, back. I think he actually managed out there for a time as well, and he's also an agent now for, um, you know, some some players from the kind of Balkan region and that too. So mm-hmm. he still he still lives in Scotland. Yeah, yeah, he lives. A stone's throw from me. He lives in Hamilton, so uh, just he, you know, he's still here. Obviously, he's, he's married to a Scottish woman, and they have a they have a couple of kids. One of them is actually on the books at Celtic, uh, Rocco Vata. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, uh, who interestingly enough, despite having an Albanian father and been born in born in Scotland, is actually playing for Ireland's under 16 <laughs> at the moment. So I think he's. Um, on his mother's side, there's there's Irish lineage there, so he's he's in the the, the Republic of Ireland youth teams at the moment. So we'll see. You know, the fun of it was when Rudy Vatas dad was Irish. <laughs> well, I know <laughs> <laughs> that that's a fair point. It could be. I know I'm, I'm making assumptions here. <laughs> um, but so I I always liked Rudy Vatas. I always liked him for for a couple of reasons. The um, great goal against Rangers from about forty yards. If you remember it at Hamden, the three 0 game. He scored. Yeah, but it's a goalkeeping error, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, still, you know, <laughs> going three 0 off against Rangers, you know, <laughs> um, just a nice wee moment there. He, he played in the yeah. um, in the the, the ninety five Scottish Cup as well. I think he was he was yep. part of that, that the squad that day as well. So, I mean, he was not. Let, let, let's be honest, he wasn't the greatest player when he was here. I think he played maybe about fifty games over, course of about three or four years. He was never really a regular. Um, but a couple of moments in there, so he won that, won the Scottish Cup, and we go against Rangers and a three 0 win as well. So that's uh, that's that's always good. Um, but yeah, so I, so I thought he you know, for for kind of what he went through early in his career, um, and then really making Scotland his home. You know, still living here, bringing up you know two boys. One of them's on the books at Celtic. It's it's just a really nice story coming out of where he came from in Albania in, in the eighties and stuff to. To, to really set up home here now and, and he's very much part of the Celtic family now he played in the, the Tommy Burns tribute match and stuff like that a few years ago too so he's still kind of obviously in, in touch still in and around the club, to the club yeah so really good to see uh, so yeah I just wanted to, to talk a wee bit about, about Rudy Vata here's Jerry I, I think in 95 he became the first Albanian to win a silverware in Western Europe really? I think yeah. Was, yeah I think it was wee fact he was the first player from Albania to win a trophy outside Albania 
Oh, yeah, okay. when he, when he, when five. I think. Don't don't quote me. I might have to totally make that. Maybe up. second, Mark. <laughs> uh, we're still was, waiting uh, on the I second guy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you think the president, the president of Albania is one of our biggest fans? That's right. I, yeah, that's, I, right. I think, that's weird. I'm thinking when he inaugurated the, the official Celtic Supporters Club in Albania during the summer. I think Rudy Vato was a guest of honour. I'm sure there was footage that he was there when they had a, a big thing there. So yeah. It's a good story, isn't it? Someone you know, flees yeah. are. Let's be honest, like people leaving their homeland, you know, and making a better life themselves as part of Celtic history. So, it's a good story. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that. So that's um, that's Rudy Vata. Uh, Mark, I think you're you're up next. Yeah. Cheers, Jerry. So my nomination for the wild card V is uh, Viduka, <laughs> Marco, or, or Mark Viduka, and I should say Mark Viduka broke my heart as a as a teenager. It's not as sinister as it sounds. Um, <laughs> it sounds like it's a poem. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Viduka broke my heart. I had a slight obsession with Viduka. I remember he played against us for Croatia Zagreb, and I liked the look of him. He was like, for a big player, he's really skillful. Um, and then I, there was hearing rumours he was signing. I was really excited because I thought, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, that's a player that could bring a, a different dimension to the team. And then he signs, and then he disappears and comes back again. And he had a, a brief cameo in 899, scored some good goals, had some nifty footwork. And then him and him and Henrik were on their way to having a really good partnership, I think, until Henrik broke his leg. Yeah. And Absolutely. The, I think the wider thing is about Viduka is it kind of represents the sort of player that you you start to really like and then they just leave. So they you know they kiss the badge and you you believe that they really care about the club and you know they care about it as much as you do. And then as soon as there's a big offer. They're out the door, so I think it's a slight warning. Maybe as you get older, as you become more cynical, that maybe not to to love players as much, because sometimes they will just they'll break your heart and, and they'll leave, and uh, <laughs> you feel very embittered about it. Nineteen years later, <laughs> <laughs> the Mavidicka one was a little bit strange on the way that he he signed and then disappeared for like three months. And then, if I remember that right, he, he kind of disappeared after he signed, saying he, oh, he wasn't really mentally ready to play. He was like, yeah. actually done on the beach, I think. <laughs> I think he, he signed in, what, September, October? And then disappeared. But I think there was a suggestion that when he, he spent time in the Balkans during the, the war, the civil war in Yugoslavia, and I don't know if that had an impact. I remember he told a story about you know, sometimes he was training, you could hear bombs going off sometimes as well. Um, so if, if you're going to be generous, you could say maybe some issues to deal with. And it's a pity because he was, he was a really, really good player, and he did mm. carry Celtic, you know, for that season after Henrik broke his leg. But mm. if the stories are true about Cali Thistle basically refusing to go back on the pitch, yeah, that's the kind of that's yeah. the Mark Viduka that, moment. You, you talk about yeah, Big Jan's moment. That's unfortunately Viduka's moment, isn't it? The, yeah, I, I think O'Neill said he was a captain. O'Neill said he would have liked to have had. Henrik and Viduka and Sutton. Got, I mean, he won player of the year that, that season, despite like mm-hmm. not playing for us again after March. And uh, I think he got, what, 35, 36 goals or something? So. Uh, yeah, about 30 goals, I think. No doubt the guy had ability. He was quite similar to Big Pierre in that sense. You know, being a big, strong guy, he could actually play as well. You know, he had a bit of effort about him. Uh, the game before Larson broke his leg, um, I think we beat Aberdeen 7-0. Yeah. Him... Viduka and Larson both scored hat tricks in that game, so you kind of you always wonder what might have been that season. You know, had things had things been different? <laughs> yeah, it's like a big whiff, isn't it? You think yeah. you know, well, if Henry could stay fit, 
you know, hadn't been injured, what would have happened? I think Whitaker was also the type of player that they would have walked anyway as soon as there was a big offer because he, was a straight, he never really seemed to settle. I mean, he did well at Leeds, but mm. didn't stay very long. And then was it Middlesbrough for a while and I went to Newcastle? And he's a sort of guy that just, it's very, very strange. He never seemed to settle at a team for no. very long or really kind of have any sort of bond. Yeah. Because, I mean, come back to my point, I, I actually thought I, I thought the guy cared about Celtic because he used to bless himself and kiss the badge. And I thought, oh, this guy loves Celtic as much as we do. And then realized, no, he doesn't. So it kind yeah. of it made me a wee bit cynical. He epitomises that badge kisser thing. Yeah, I think he's probably the worst one we've had. <laughs> yeah. And I think you think the opposite. You think a guy to come in to a club who weren't fans when they signed, but the fans when they leave. And you know we've talked about guys, particularly during the Martin Neal period. But if anyone, like Scott Brown, epitomises that so much. You know, he wasn't wasn't a Celtic fan when he signed for us, but you know he's certainly a Celtic fan now. You know, he, he loves and fights for the club every time he's on the pitch. So, yeah, that's opposite. Guys like Scott Brown restored my my faith when Martin Viduka destroyed it as a 16-year-old. <laughs> so he's got a lot got a lot to answer for. If it wasn't for Viduka, I'd be able to watch games without any sort of sense of anxiety <laughs> or worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, his fault. <laughs> uh, so, um, I, so if he's listening, Viduka, you know, um, thank, thanks a lot. <laughs> for making me cynical about players and their commitment to a team. He's worth he's worth mentioning. You're right because he was a great player, but uh, yeah, as a sore maybe that's what the wild cards all about. I guess then we can talk about guys like this who we don't particularly want to nominate. <laughs> um, a bit, a bit of fairy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, just just that, Mark. Uh, Barry, what you got for us? Um, right. So I want to speak about one of the infamous, most infamous games at Celtic Park. Um, probably in its history. So. My V is for Vienna, more yep. specifically Rapid Vienna, um, going back to 1984. So 7th of November 1984, Celtic are um, playing in the Cup Winners' Cup. They, it's the second or third round, I think. We've played out in Austria and we've lost the game by a couple of goals. So we really needed you know, a big effort at Celtic Park. You know, We need three goals, basically, to, to go through to the next tie. Celtic played brilliantly on the night. Brian McClare scores. Murder McLeod, uh, A to Z and Duck D, scores a second. Uh, Tommy Burns, who's also an A to Z and Duck D, um, yep. scores a third. And then, so Celtic are in position to qualify, leading 3-0, and then all hell breaks, basically. Yep. Um, the Rapid Vienna players start attacking Tommy Burns, who's like the nicest guy you've, you know, you'll ever met in your life. There's a picture of him you can see online of a guy punching Tommy Burns in the back of the head as he's walking away from him. There's a really sour atmosphere at the game. And then, unfortunately, from a Celtic point of view, some idiot Celtic fans chuck um, some glass bottle or chucks a glass bottle onto the park, which gives the Rapid Vienna players a chance to maximise, you know, well, cheating, frankly. <laughs> so one of them pretends he gets hit by a glass bottle and then falls to the ground and has to be stretched away down the touchline, even though he's not actually been touched by anything. It's, I mean, it's just an absolute, it's a disgraceful scene. But ultimately, Celtic win the game 3 0 and they've qualified for the next round. And then, just farcically, Vienna then appealed to UEFA. I don't really think it's something that could happen nowadays, but they appealed to UEFA on the basis that. I don't really understand that one of their players was attacked during yeah, the game. They should have been chucked. I don't really get it. Is it, is it. Was there not somebody actually ran onto the park as well? The Celtic I think there's a suggestion not... of that behind the goals, I think. Something might have happened. Yeah. yeah. So, But you're right. You would think it, 
you can't surely if you play the game out and the game finishes, you know what mm-hmm. can you do? I get if you if if you walk off the park and protest, then turn around to UEFA and say, oh, by the way, you know we had to walk off because you know this happened. But they played the game out. It's, it's, it does strike me as odd that they would you know go back and, and review. Yeah, but but the really 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 strange thing is so what happens is Vienna lodges this appeal with UEFA. UEFA chuck it out initially and actually fine Rapid Vienna for their, I'm guessing for their conduct on the park and also the fact that it was just like a flimsy appeal in the first place and it should never have been lodged. Mm. Then Rapid Vienna then appeal that decision and their fine is actually doubled after that. But at the same Mm. time, even though they've doubled their fine, they then order this game on neutral territory um, a few weeks later down at is it Old Trafford I think it gets played Old Trafford yeah so, uh, yeah to, to actually replay the game. I mean there's clearly so some skullduggery that goes on there um, yeah I suppose the reason I wanted to ring this up today is just I mean it's it's a warning I suppose um, on a couple of levels one as much as you you know players can sometimes antagonise you. I mean, if Celtic fans don't chuck things on the park or people don't invade the pitch, none of this actually gets brought before UEFA, so you need to behave yourselves sometimes. But also the fact that some people just cheat like hell and you need to be aware that some people cheat like hell. Yeah. It's a... Sorry, Jerry. No, I was just probably going to say the same thing as you, Mark. It's just a really odd uh, episode in our history. Um, well, I've seen okay. some totally opposite actually. Oh, well. Maybe it's a tactic if we're getting humped off a team, we should just run <laughs> on the pitch and cause as much mayhem as possible. <laughs> and then have to abandon the match. Keep right. that in the just, just in case. Celtic A to Z podcast does not advocate <laughs> <laughs> running onto the park and starting a riot. <laughs> um, unless, unless. <laughs> There's no one less <laughs> get dragged into a court case. <laughs> um, and then uh, the, the really, really, really annoying thing about that as well is Rapid Vera go on to make the final of the Cardinals yep. Cup that year. Against uh, Everton. They ultimately lose to Everton. Yeah. And I was reading there was actually a banner at the game from Everton fans, you know, saying that they should have been playing Celtic. Yeah. Um, I guess they had the bar just to wind up Rapid Vienna, but it was just saying you shouldn't really be here at all. Yeah. Which is, is true. <laughs> I know. It's a weird way to think, isn't it? You know, that, well, I mean, who knows? Obviously, there's a couple of rounds to go, but there might have been another European final in there for us. Um, Possibly, yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. Thing. I mean, it's a bit of a shame because after 84, Celtic don't do anything in Europe for, yep. you know, a long, long time. Um, right, really, until yeah. a nail comes in. I know. Um, so, as it's going to last, so you wonder if that just psychologically set us back a bit in Europe for. For a few years, well, there's that, and also the club just fell apart in the 90s. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, that ball. <laughs> yeah, but that yeah. guy threw the balls that a lot to answer for. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but yeah, yes, t- yes. again, so I just want to, I really want to mention this just on a couple of levels. I mean, I'm not nominating this as to be you know something that's celebrated, but it's just you know, just be wary sometimes of how you behave and also, you know. What other people will do to to maximise their their own their own desires? No, you're right. Cause I remember when, when we talked about the Adidas thing, I had to worry that Women's Rugby Football turned that result against DC Milan because what the fan did. Yeah. You know, one one fan did something idiotic, and the whole, the whole you know club suffers because of it. So, yeah, you're right. There's certainly a warning there, Barry, about our conduct and behaviour. I know. Um, okay, no, uh, cheers for that, Barry. It's a, like I said, I, I, I do find it quite an interesting episode in our 
um, in our history and of fairly recent history as well. Again, it's a it's it's a it's a bit of an odd story. Um, you're right. There's obviously something. But that... I can't. I don't know of any other occasion where that's happened to anybody else. Like I'm sure it must have done, but I'm not aware of aware of any sort of high profile games being overturned and replayed. Did well, yeah, just to be replayed. I mean, the only other time I remember a game being replayed um, after an incident in the game is the uh, was it Arsenal. Sheffield Wednesday, the FA Cup semi-final. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, when they, they played on after they supposed to give the ball back. Um, and they offered to replay the game and the FA didn't really know what to do and said, well, okay, if that suits both of you, then, then just do that. <laughs> um, clearly, it didn't suit both parties this Yeah, there was, no, there was no agreement <laughs> so, here. Right? I know, so yeah, it's kind of odd. I don't, yeah. But anyway, my, my gut feeling is that this is a bit of, you know, um, Central European politics, skullduggery, people with influence. Um, yeah. But maybe that's just me being, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. Well, oh, Austria is pretty close to Switzerland, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, yeah, you, you might be onto something there, but. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, let's, let's leave that there before we, we do get in trouble. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> Albanian embassy is on line one at the moment. <laughs> Uh, okay, so well, it's not even a real country. That's what I'm saying. Anyway. <laughs> Germany. Barry, I think right. the last person in that argument made a stand in Berlin in 1945. So welcome to that argument. Yeah, we're in very, very dangerous territory here, guys. <laughs> okay, so right, let's uh, let's wind this up then. So Vienna um, and the, the fairly dark episode of the Rapid Vienna game. We've got Mark Viduka and Rudy Vata and do you know what I, I I know it was me who brought up Vata and loathed if I'm doing a Barry again but I think I'm going to need you because clearly he deserves it more than Viduka or... <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, we got a consensus on that <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Slim, <laughs> excellent okay so uh, Rudy Vata is going in as our wildcard entry along with uh, Jan Venegur of Hesselink for our player as I say, I mean, I alluded to, there's not that many Vs over our history. And, and the odd thing is, they're all in fairly recent history. You know, they're all over the last, like, kind of 20, 25 years or so. Um, a couple of guys didn't get mentioned. Ramon Vega, Adam Virgo. So a letter that became part of us now. 20 years ago, we had nothing to talk about on V. I don't think there's an awful lot to talk about Adam Virgo, to be fair. Well, maybe, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the weakest of the Vs. <laughs> um, but, Did they ever actually play Adam Virgo? I'm trying to think. He must have started yeah, at least one game. Few games, yeah. He played against him Fairland. <laughs> against him Fairland. Oh, cheers for that, Mark. <laughs> but it costs like, he was over a million pounds. It's a total disaster. Like, He's one of Strachan's first signs, I think, as well. Uh, inviting. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right, so, uh, but there you go. You got, you, even Adam Virgo got a mention there. Um, but yes, yeah, so, okay, so that, that that's our V episode. Uh, and, uh, that was pretty good. Um, and... W next week. We'll see where we get to with that. Uh, but uh, bring the bring us to a close tonight. So thanks, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Barry. Thanks, Jay, guys. Thanks, Barry. And thanks everyone for listening. And see you next week. Bye bye.